Warning. While Stephanie Meyer may have written Twilight for children and young adults, Twilight, a literary podcast, contains adult content. If that kind of stuff isn't your speed, feel free to stop here. Everyone else, please sit back and enjoy our explicit podcast. Welcome, one and all, to Twilight, a literary deep dive into the blood-sucking skin, sparkling world of Twilight. From a lifelong fan. And a first-time reader, join us as we answer the question, Does Does it it suck? Trigger warning. Yes, good point. Trigger good point. warning for sexual assault and, yeah, just sexual assault. Yeah, much it. yeah. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to be very explicit with how we discuss it, but it is going to be brought up. Yes. So, yeah, good point, babe. Welcome, everyone. Twilight Literary Podcast. That's I'm us. Spencer. I'm That's Jess. Jess. And You're Spencer. Jess, I've been working on- You've been working? So, well, on <laughs> some of my, more, my social skills, so it oh. may surprise our listeners, but I'm not the most, like- uh, sociable. Per- I, I'm a little awkward. I'm a little weird. I've been working on my like, office banter. <laughs> oh, uh, I see. So I wanted to kind of like run that through you. Yeah, you know, go to for See it. how you feel about it. So weather, huh? Yeah. Ain't that ain't that fun? Um, uh, working hard or, or hardly keeping it all together. I like that one. Um, uh, uh, another day, another a desperate attempt. To get enough money to escape the capitalist machine. You know what I wish would happen right now is that the floor would open up and a giant stripper pole would appear Mm. and that I was able to slide down it all the way to hell to get (laughs) out of this fucking conversation. Wow, what a specific thing to say. Yes. Could that possibly be a reference to a recent... Uh, cultural fucking event. banger which is stuck in my head currently and has been all day and because of you it is stuck in my head <laughs> we're talking about little nas x who we have on the show today welcome little no, nas i oh. fucking wish oh that'd be wild i do follow him on twitter well ain't that fun well guys this this is not a podcast about little nas x no at least not for now no. <laughs> what it is a podcast about is twilight specifically chapters Six through eight of Eclipse. Of Eclipse. And we're going to begin, as we always do, with a little refresher. Chapter six. Switzerland. Switzerland. I imagine that's exactly how Bella says it. Those fucking cowards wouldn't help us in the war. Busy eating chocolate. Is that chocolate. your stance? Yeah, I'm anti-Switzerland. It's <laughs> a hot take. Very, that is a very hot take. <laughs> Chapter six, Switzerland. Bella drives back from the reservation, still processing the dirge of, inf- of new information Jacob has given her, but also elated to have finally see him smiling again. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, a car suddenly appears in her rearview mirror. It's the notorious S&V! <laughs> it's back! The shiny new Volvo, as yeah. it were. Um, I love that you call it a Volvo. <laughs> that's, that's what it's called. It's like a Volvo. Yeah, as I said, Volvo. The long O. Vovo. <laughs> Too scared to pull over, Bella keeps driving on to Angela's house. As I would have done. Oh, yeah, easily. 
Hey, pro tip to all the kids out there. If a cop starts running its lights behind you, you just keep going. <laughs> Don't. Eventually, Don't they will give up. There is a statute of limitations on how long they can chase you. <laughs> and the faster you go, the quicker they'll give up. <laughs> Too scared to pull over, Bella drives over to Angela's house. But the SNV trails close behind the entire way. She pulls into the driveway while the SNV mercifully continues on without stopping. At the door, she's greeted by comedy legend God himself, Ben, and strangely asks him if Angela's home, which, isn't this Angela's house? I was so confused. <laughs> she's like, uh, is Angela home? And he's like, let me see. And he, like, calls her. It was like, we- I was like, what? Where are we He at? says, let me see? No, he doesn't. But, oh, okay. but he says, like, I'll call her. And I was like, is this, this is Angela's house, isn't it? And it's yes. only them. Also, Ben, you were home alone with your high school girlfriend? Why weren't you fucking? You he loser. He wanted to go see that martial <laughs> he arts He really did. Film. Honestly, I respect that. Also, Angela's got a good level head. She was probably like, I need to get this done. <laughs> yes. Very much so like Ben was trying to Mac. And she's like, no, I have a lot of cards to sign. Yeah. <laughs> so we ain't doing nothing. Go see your fucking movie. Ben calls Angela down and quickly leaves to go see the movies with lame loser character Austin that no one likes. <laughs> Why? I'm so upset about Austin. Austin's why is just Austin a filler? But why? We had Eric. We had but chess Eric's club. Eric's a Eric. loser. No, Eric's great. No, Eric's a loser. Eric in the film is great. is great. Yeah. But Eric in the books is a forking loser and nobody hangs out with him. Eric is infinitely cooler than Mike. I mean, yes. So already yes. better. But, so already a better character. But and according than to the seniors at Forks High School in 19 or 2007 or whenever the fuck, mm-hmm. he is hot shit. Mike's hot shit. And so is Tyler. I agree. Mike is a steamy pile <laughs> of hot shit. <laughs> and Eric's a fucking nerd. So he doesn't hang with that crowd. Well, seems a bit hypocritical. I think, you are I, think dating Eric, me. I think Eric can take a fucking hint. And when Bella wasn't interested in him, he said, okay. No, but like he, they can still be friends. Why do you have to be replaced with Austin is all I'm saying. Like, who gives a shit about Austin? The city and the person. Uh, I, I said it. Austin, you're overrated. Well, anyways, so the girls then go upstairs. All and the cool kids go to Brownsville. Are you going to keep interrupting me with a Brownsville joke? All the cool kids go to Orange, Texas, or Temple. You done? Yes. The girls head upstairs and get to work addressing Angela's comically large pile of graduation cards. A few minutes in, Angela asks if Bella's okay. She seems anxious. Reflexively, Bella begins to tell her no, but stops herself. Suddenly, she realizes how badly she wants to talk to a normal human girl for once. But her problems weren't so simple. There were too many secrets that she was bound to keep. After a moment, she finally responds that she's feeling stressed about Edward. She explains that Edward is mad about her spending time with Jacob because he feels it's unsafe. But Angela sees it a little differently. To her, it's obvious that Edward's just jealous. Bella pushes back saying, oh, no, it's not like that with Jacob. But Angela points out that it may not be that way for her, but the way Jacob looks at her, it's only natural that Edward would get a bit jealous. It's a great little scene with Angela. She's very uh, observant. And, yeah, she, and I think she's fucking dead on the money here. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I, and I think it's nice for Bella to kind of get some perspective. Like, you know, I mean, they may be supernatural, but we're all kind of running on human instincts here. I mean, yeah, still. they're all still human feelings. Yeah. Like, 
this is just and so, a human like, favor. Especially of like he's Jacob being feel jealous. Yeah. Because Jacob's being like an obnoxious dickhead about it. He is. Around Edward, at least. And yes. Edward is also being like a control freak. So right. they're all just being teenagers. And you know, but I do got to say, like, if I were Jake, I would also be fucking pushing yeah. it because it's like you gotta compete it's with like the vampire. I, I had to see what you left behind like yeah it's like that saying like oh i can't bring her around i already told my parents or i already told my mom yeah like what happened she's now gonna hate her forever it's like even though we've made yeah. up like <laughs> but no totally yeah it, he's got a it's yeah i mean he deeply cares about bella and the hurt she went through and also like you have to compete with a I, he is a supernatural being, but he also has to compete with another one. So he's got to kind of bluster a little bit, kind of puff his chest out. Yeah, uh, yeah, duh. Be, you know, kind of show off. But great scene with Angela. I love it. It's nice that to have someone to kind of cut through all the noise of the wolf vampire treaty bullshit and be like, this is just about jealousy, really. Yeah. Bella switches topics and asks about Angela and Ben's college plans. They're both planning to go to university in Seattle which does make Bella a little nervous remembering the recent attacks that went on there. And, um, and at that, it's a lot of moments like these where we're like, are you really ready to be changed, Bella? Yeah, we'll see in these chapters. It's starting to be like, yeah. there's a lot of signs pointing to like, well, maybe why don't you go to college first? Yeah. And again, I know he looks 17, but like, you can be like 25. And, and still, still get like you'd be fine, being, yeah. You know, I mean, like you have a, you have. I mean, Emmett is like at the age twenty, yeah, and he plays just a year older than Edward. He yeah. plays it to be eighteen. Well, and especially if we're going off, Edward looks like Robert Pattinson. Like he doesn't look that young. He doesn't have a baby face, you know. No, like. I know he can't, like, grow a beard or anything, but, like, he could make himself look a little older. Like, I'm just saying, Bella, like, I would go to college. Enjoy college as a human. Eat all the trash food you want. Drink all the cheap booze. Yeah. Then decide to have your eternity. Right. I think you got a good buffer for a few years. Of course, she may just die because she could probably die falling down the campus stairs, but still. That's what happens. What? Spoiler. <laughs> I do. I have always. I, I guess Game of Thrones would kind of. Is kind of the closest we'll get to this, but I would love like a long-reaching like fantasy or like, but you know, big series like a Twilight or like a Harry Potter, but just ends on like a purposeful like, oh, actually, someone just shot Harry Potter with like a drive and like a mistaken drive-by shooting, <laughs> like just completely unrelated. <laughs> yes. Game of Thrones is kind of like that because it just like took a huge shit at the end of the series, but right. like I would love an author just to be like, oh, something random happened, and oh, I'm that now sucks. Ruined the <laughs> and story just for everyone you. hate you forever. Anyways, Bella tells Angela that she and Edward are both planning on going to school in Alaska. And Angela says she'll miss her, but says, like, hey, we'll stay in touch. And which she'll email we'll me. We'll email each other, email. which is What's very, that? very, a uh, bit of a dated moment, but it's great. <laughs> like every time Bella has to boot up her computer. Right. But this remark leaves a swell of sadness passing over Bella as she faces the harsh reality of what it will actually mean to leave the human world behind. You know, think of how this is going to go with your fucking father if, you, if you're having this much like, trouble think about with. The devastation. Yeah. Although, devastating Daddy Swan emotionally is a bit of a it's, tradition. It's a bit of a, yeah. So, I guess it's not that hard to imagine. Oh, damn it. Bella returns home to find Edward already waiting in her room. Edward's voice is low, but heavy with tempered rage, as he scolds her for doing something so dangerous. But Bella fights back. And at this point, I'm like, fuck 
fuck yeah, Bella. Go Bella. I love go, Bella girl. in this part. Bella, Bella is someone in the right. She, Ab- she's absolutely she, in the right. She is. She is. It's more that Edward's very much in the wrong. Yes. Bella's maybe not handling it the situation as best as possible, but that's only because of how poorly Edward is handling it. Right. I, it's kind of a, a weird point to even be trying to make, but I'm just saying, like, Edward is just really not doing good in this chapter. No, but absolutely not. So she tells him she knows Jacob and he isn't dangerous. Mm. The room is cold and tense. Their argument is getting nowhere. After a pause, Bella apologizes for making him anxious. He wasn't supposed to know that she was going to see Jacob. And I feel like it's it's weird for you and I because we're just both very inherently unjealous people. Like this is just something we do, things we don't care about. But I, I I see why Edward would be upset because of the way she's going. See, I'm. Well, I'm struggling the, the, because she okay. had to go to such devious lengths. Because he's making because it hard for her, right? right. If he would just let and her fucking cre- go. Yeah, and I get why he'd be frustrated because he's like, Bella's going to these weird lengths. If you guys don't remember, um, oh, how did this one? Oh, Bella just goes on a whim to the res to see Jacob. But by doing it on a whim like that, Alice couldn't see it. And then once she was on the res, Alice can't see her because she can't see werewolves. And so she has to go to this whole like convoluted way to do this. And I get why Edward would be upset. But he is, but he's forcing Bella into the situation. So right. it's just like, why are you like? like I see why all, you're mad, yeah, but, but you're bringing it on yourself, dude. Yeah. Edward tells her this won't happen again. He's not going to allow her to even step foot on the reservation. He didn't say anything about hands. Angrily, Bella asks if this is really about her safety. I'm gonna read you that I mumbled. Is it really about her safety? No, I mumbled as if this is... is just, I, I mumbled through that as part. As if this And I caught it. Angrily, Bella asks if this is really about her safety or if this is just because of his jealousy. I fucking love this part. I love you too. Edward insists that the only thing he cares about is her safety. That's a Which lie. I call bullshit. As a fucking lie. Bella says if that's the case, then he needs to think of her as Switzerland. Switzerland. That's exactly how she says it. Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, like she tries to like sound European when she says yeah. it. Completely neutral. It's a bit forced, Bella. Edward is silent for a moment, then tells Bella she smells like a dog. How fucking romantic. You know what I do to dogs. Who says you need to have him. makeup sex when you could just insult each other? I would never have sex with makeup. It'd be powder <laughs> everywhere. I prefer, I prefer creams. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Since Edward had to cunt, cunt, Jesus, <laughs> I was not intentional. <laughs> uh, pretend we're British. <laughs> Since Edward cut his, God, now I can't even say. It. Since Ud, since Edward, God damn it. Since Edward had to cut his hunting trip short to come check on Bella, he and the rest of the male Cullens are heading on a trip to California for that Friday. Interesting uh, little note that they put in there is a little detail is that there's like a uh, like a mountain lion. There's like some, they're going to some reservation in California where there's like a, a overabundance of mountain lions or something. Right, they try to be good. In, yeah, in like... so like they're also being like conservative, like environmentally conservative with their 
animal hunting choices as well, which yeah, is a nice exactly. little treat. But touch. it also makes sense, right? Yeah. Because they, the they they are there for like the long run, right? Eternally, and so they want to like keep right the population, population of their food. Well, and I imagine, <laughs> and they kind of hint at it, but like hunting like whatever little deer or, or whatever that linger around forks probably gets old real fast but you want to go somewhere where you know like alaska or something we can hunt a bear you know interesting stuff yeah but you so want to do why, it sustainably that's why they occasionally go on these no, but it's, you know, it was hunting just, trips yeah but it's an interesting little uh just little detail they put in there that i liked yeah so they're going on the trip on friday but on thursday bella gets out of work to find alice not edward waiting to pick her up in the notorious snv Alice tells her that the boys left early and the two of them are going to have a slumber party. But this ain't no normal slumber party. Bella quickly realizes... There's no lesbian sex, that's why. Oh, so a little note I forgot to write down. Uh, When Bella's (laughs) talking about Angela, about her like wanting to talk to like a normal girl for once, she is like, I just wanted to talk to a girl. I just wanted to moan for a while. And express myself or something like she specifically says I wanted to moan for a while and I was like this is erotic as shit. <laughs> oh god damn it. Anyways, um Bella quickly realizes that the slumber party is actually a kidnapping. Ugh, not well, great. Alice says she's sorry she couldn't say no. Edward was paying her off in the form of a brand new Porsche, which I'm like, can't Alice just predict the stock market? Does she need someone to buy her a Porsche? It's not as special. Because she's probably I like, I couldn't. I just feel like buy she couldn't be monetarily myself. bought off like that, you know, because of that reason. Hey, you don't know how vampires think. No, I do not. The Porsche being exactly like the one that she had stolen in Italy. Bella is surprised by such an expensive gift for two days of babysitting, but then it hits her. This wasn't just for this weekend. This was for every time that Edward would leave. Um, I'm going to say that's a little bit of a red flag right there. You hear that? I'm waving my red flag. Don't go in the water. It wasn't so bad, except for the fact that she was being held against her will. Yeah, just a minor detail. Esme made Italiano, of course. Uh, Of course. Her name's Bella. Her name's Bella. And Alice brought all of Bella's favorite movies. Even Rosalie came out, staying quietly in the background. Bella asks where she's going to sleep, and Alice shows her to Edward's room, now outfitted with a colossal ornate bed. Nice. I I agree. Which I would still have even if I was a vampire and didn't sleep. I would like, like, like to have a big bed. Traditionally, yeah. Yeah. Once Alice leaves, Bella takes a pillow from the giant bed and curls up on the familiar black leather couch. She stares at the glass mirror framing the wall across from her reflecting the room so that it seemed twice the size it actually was. Hey, can I get a mirror that makes things seem twice as big? I recently saw this really dope-ass, like, Satan house kind of decorated (laughs) shit. A Satan house? And No, it was just, like, the front lawn was, like, decorated to be a cemetery, and then inside it had, like, you know, like... I don't... Vibes. Cool. Like that oddities shop. (laughs) It had those kind of vibes, but in the bedroom. Man, you can paint a picture, babe. Wow. (laughs) Like coffin. It had a coffin in the living room. Like those vibes. And then in the bedroom, there was a, it was like a huge ass giant bed. And then. The bed wasn't a coffin? On the ceiling was a mirror, but it was like one of those trifold mirrors. 
so it had like an angle on either side and then then it had an upside down cross and it was so dope looking that does sound pretty and cool we can cut all of this spencer if you're editing i love you and i sybil <laughs> <laughs> if you're editing how did you learn how to do this you're such a good girl you're so good you're so good <laughs> You sounded so drunk. You said, "You're such a good girl." I just imagine you like, like in your forties, like we broke it up. You just petted, petted your dog. You're like, "You're so good." Very wasted on three bottles of wine. I'll do that shit right now. Yeah, hell yeah. Bella lays in silence, wondering if she'll be able to sleep at all. A soft knock comes from the door, and to Bella's surprise, wait, wait, let me read. Let me read that. All right, sorry. A soft knock comes from the door. That's not soft. Oh, sorry. Say it again. A soft knock comes from the door. Meow. Spencer Dean Straight, I will quit. I will quit this whole podcast right now. All right. And to Bella's surprise, Rosalie emerges from behind it. Can I come in? Can I come in? That's how she sounds. No, she's not Southern. Jasper is actually Southern. Oh. Can I come in? She's from Rochester, New York. Hey, I'm hey. coming in here. <laughs> what? Hey, I'm knocking here. Chapter 7. Unhappy ending. Hesitantly, Rosalie sits next to Bella on the couch and asks if they can talk. She wants to tell Bella the story of her transformation to try to better explain exactly why she wants Bella to stay human. Rosalie is born to a middle-class family in the early 1930s. The family station rose as they were one of the few unaffected by the Great Depression, thanks to her father's stable bank job. By the time she was 18, Rosalie was already regarded as the most beautiful woman in town. And to Rosalie, her life was perfect. While Rosalie was content with her simple, pristine life, her parents had much bigger plans for their only daughter. They instilled in Rose the virtues of material wealth, and back then, there was only one way for a woman to become rich. Cage fighting. No. Marriage. Wait. Marriage? <laughs> she wanted a big house filled with lavish furniture and a loving husband who would kiss her when he returned from work. But most of all, she wanted a baby. And, there was, and there was one man in town who could give her those things. Royce, Royce King. King. Fuck that guy. Royce King's father was the owner of the bank Rosalie's father worked for, and also the owner of nearly every other profitable business in town, which I imagine at this time was very few businesses. Yeah. The Kings were the closest thing the town had to actual royalty, and Rosalie was all but arranged to become one of them. And within two months of meeting, Royce and Rose were engaged. Plans went underway for their lavish wedding. Rosalie felt that she had everything she could ever want. Her fairy tale life was about to begin. But as the wedding day approached, some doubt began to creep into her heart. The night of her transformation. Doubt, 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 doubt. <laughs> I hear that every time you bring up wedding plans. <laughs> run, run, run. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> run away. I don't make ready wedding plans. I make honeymoon plans. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That is true. That's just because it's the excuse to go to I Scotland. Travel <laughs> so bad. Oh man. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. 
I want I want people to feel how long that pause was. The night of her transformation, Rosalie was at her friend Vera's house. As she goes to leave, she sees Vera and her husband kiss when they think she isn't watching. With a sinking feeling, Rosalie realizes that her and Royce never shared that kind of affection. But she buries the thought. Nothing was going to ruin her perfect life. The streets were cold and dark on the way home, but Rose's only worry was how the weather might affect her wedding, now only a week away. Um, I like how, in this part of the story, Bella kind of says that Rosalie like takes her out of it because Rosalie like pauses or something at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I like how Bella says... Like refers back to she she was like I guess this is when the bad part starts happening because mm-hmm. she said it was not a happy ending yeah and I feel like something about that just kind of gave me chills whenever I would read it it's a great little scene between them and you feel so much more for Rosalie because of how scarce this kind of conversation is if it ver- like it's so much more impactful hearing Rose explain this versus. Like, like Alice Edward or the other ones explaining her. their backstories just because Rosalie's so and it well and because it feeds into her character and why she hasn't told Bella before. Right. And uh, it's just a really great little scene. It's probably my we'll talk about it later, but okay. this is a you know, probably the highlight of the book so far. Yeah. No, I really agree. I uh, think it's a great little it, it uh, totally uh, helps to kind of understand totally makes sense why she's such a fucking bitch all the time. Yeah, it to- it explains pretty much every part of her personality and character yeah that we understand so far and it's yeah yeah very interesting uh fucking sad though as yes. we'll see and we'll yeah get into it across the street rosalie notices a group of clearly drunk men clustered under a broken street lamp i don't know why but something about the broken like flickering street lamp was just a great little touch i had to include in mine yeah i agree one of them calls out to her by her name it was Royce, out drinking with a group of his, you know, fellow rich friends. Mm-hmm. Royce calls her over and begins showing off his future bride to his friends. Rosalie is shocked, having never seen him drink more than a few sh- sips, ships, <laughs> few sips of champagne uh, around dinner before. Ugh. Though he did say he he didn't really like champagne all that much. Wow, he sucks. He's so. probably a gin guy. Well, yeah, especially back then, everyone was drinking gin. Remember when, like, there was a point when gin was, like, the hot drink in town. Listen, if I, like, am at a bar, right, and a guy comes up to me, and and I find out that in his glass is just, like, gin. Yeah. I'm turning away. No, if if, if, if a man is drinking gin at a bar, I'm going to assume that he has roofies in his pocket. <laughs> Either that, or he's, like, <laughs> rich and a psychopath. I think there's equal... Equally, I, I'm sorry, Evelyn, because I know you love gin. This isn't about you. <laughs> no, but this is about men. This is about men drinking gin. But but like not even like not a G and T. If you have a G and T, that's different. Yeah. I think that's slightly different. But if you're just drinking like gin, yeah. If you're drinking gin, you better be treating yourself for malaria. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a really good scientific reference. Hey, if, right if there's 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 probably two people who understand that. <laughs> and that's great. Look up, look up the words tonic yeah, water at, and yeah. malaria, and yeah. you'll find it. You'll find something. Look up quinine. <laughs> and for those of you who don't want to listen about uh, a sexual Gin. assault, oh. 
and Jin, uh, mm. go ahead and forward like about a minute or so, or thirty, se- or yeah. about a minute or so. Yeah, yeah. Rosalie is shocked, having never seen him drink more than a few shit. God damn, I did the same mistake. Anyways, but now Royce was wasted, clumsily pulling her around for his friends to inspect. He was showing off her different attributes like he, she was a racehorse they were thinking of purchasing. One friend comments that she was too covered up to properly observe, Ugh. which prompted... Mm. God, this part just really made me sick. Yeah. Unfortunately, I read this while I was at work, which is not great. No. <laughs> This comment prompts Royce to begin tearing, forcibly tearing off pieces of Rosalie's clothing. She cries out in pain, but the men only laugh. They barely even saw that she was there at all. Rosalie skips what happened next, sparing Bella from the worst details. So the book is a bit vague on what exactly happened, mm-hmm. and so I looked it up, kind of really hoping what it the story wasn't what it was implying yeah but it absolutely was it's uh, whatever you think the worst possible thing that just happened to rosalie is that was it that's that's exactly what happened yeah and i was like ah fuck that is fucked up the men leave rose there in the streets still laughing they assumed she was dead joking that royce would need to find a new bride cold and in incredible pain rosalie wanted to die Carlisle then finds her there, drawn by the scent of blood. He begins treating her, but soon realizes he won't be able to save her and carries her to his home. This part, uh, kind of unrelated, really made me think of how great it must be for Carlisle to get to watch the uh, improvement of medicine over time and just like how many cases of diseases he once saw. Think just like be diabetes, death Yeah, right? just things like, that were just clear easy death sentences nothing you could do about it, just become the most treatable thing that must be um, like to be a doctor for hundreds of years and then be there for the discovery of penicillin it's, yeah. it's just like a cool thing to think about so incredible yeah. it makes me think of the story i heard about like whenever penicillin yeah was first like mm-hmm. made and then they went into this like children who were like a yeah. ward where mm-hmm. children were dying of the sugar of sickness or whatever and yeah they just injected in one by one there yeah. they start they immediately yeah started getting better like that's how insulin amazing. but yes yes oh that's what i meant to say yeah i figured but okay. yeah but yeah but that too like just the simplest thing it, it, like now having diabetes isn't nothing but like yeah you just you get insulin like you know it sucks but it's you yeah know, it's not no one ever thinks of it as a death sentence. And that must be nice. I'm trying to get any kind of niceness out of this as I can. <laughs> I know. Just as Rosalie begins to slip away, to slip away, the dull throbbing she'd felt is replaced with a sharp burning coming from her throat, wrists, and ankles. Which she... is now we we know that <laughs> that's how Carlisle changed her by biting her throat and yeah. her wrists and her ankles. Yeah. She screams in agony as the fire spreads through her entire body. She begs for Carlisle to end her life, but he simply sits with her, holding her hand. He tells her everything about the family, what he was, what she was about to become. Through her screams, she can hear Edward chastise Carlisle for what he's done. And Rosalie was practically a celebrity in town. Everyone knew who she was. People be looking for her. I couldn't just let her die, Carlisle says quietly. It was too much. Too, too horrible, too much to waste. Slowly, the pain subsides, and Rosalie can feel her strength return. 
Carlisle again explains what they are, and Rose believes him. She could feel her thirst and see her brilliant red eyes. More importantly, she saw that her beauty hadn't been lessened by the transformation. In fact, she was the single most beautiful creature she'd ever seen. Rosalie turns to Bella, laughing at herself. It took me some time before I began to blame the beauty for what happened to me, for me to see the curse of it. She admits that she would now gladly trade her looks to be normal, to be like Vera, a normal girl with a loving husband to have pretty babies with. That's sweet. Yeah. I wouldn't I, trade I, that. I mean, but... bittersweet, right? Because yeah. she, she didn't get her happy ending. She really didn't. And that fucking like, sucks. Yeah. No, it, and like whether or not she got like this second life, like yeah, you really you told. I mean, you're. I I'm gonna talk about it in my piece later, but yeah, it just you see she understands the the ex- extent of the curse of this immortality and being a vampire and, and what the loss truly means, right? More than I think any of the other vampires, she really tangibly feels exactly what she lost from that change not that she would necessarily regret it because obviously she was going to die but right but she didn't you know like it it, you see so you now like oh yeah no wonder she's pissed that bella's choosing this when she got forced she had everything yeah and lost it and now has to live and, this and secondary the, the, life. The, the irony of becoming even more beautiful and just enhancing the superficial qualities of herself while losing any of the depth of her humanity that she had, you know, any kind of way to, you know, material, any way to be a normal human. She becomes even more distant from normal people, becoming right. this exaggerated beauty. Interesting and, irony. And it also, like, just, it breaks my heart that she... She's come to this place and she's still like not healed from it, obviously, because she's yeah. come from this place saying that like her beauty was to blame as if Which it is, wasn't like yeah. society as a whole or these right. men, you know, yeah. like she still thinks that part of it was well, her she, fault. Yeah, because she's like, if I wasn't beautiful, this wouldn't happen, which is true true it's but that's, very true but, but that it's not her fault it's completely yeah but it very much feels like she's kind of putting blame on that right and you think how long she's been alive yeah that pain doesn't she's go had away years and years and years to mull this over yeah Fuck. and like Fuck. she understands because she becomes like the epitome of beauty and she knows right. how little yeah, that exactly. means yeah it's we'll, we'll move on but yeah, yeah it's very 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 interesting very good character development here. Rose is silent for a moment before smiling triumphantly at Bella. She says that her record is almost as clean as Carlisle's. She's never even once tasted human blood. Seeing Bella's puzzled look, she explains that there's one smudge in her otherwise perfect record. Donned in a stolen wedding gown, Rose hunted down and killed the five men who attacked her, along with two of their guards. I should say she she hunted out and, and tortured and killed. Yes. Which fuck yeah, she's like Kill Bill, fucking <laughs> no. sweet. And then and like dressed dress. up in a wedding dress, like bitch. Yes, you're their nightmares. And at first, I thought it was her wedding dress, but no, she just found a wedding dress. No, which means yeah. it wasn't even about her, like, like doing this like metaphorical thing. She's like, no, sure I want they, they I want, yeah. who, I, who I am. I want them to know what's going on here. Yeah. yeah, but she made sure to save Royce for last. 
so that she could take her time, which fuck yeah, yeah dude. Also, so that he would know that she's coming for him. Just he had to watch which is true. all yeah, of them die. He had bodyguards and, and he was hiding. Well, they were all together when it when she killed them all, I believe. No, or she did individually. No, she oh, so it was like Kill Bill. He was one gonna, by fuck one, yeah. and he knew that his friends were dying one by one. That that's why he was hiding in this ah. fucking like guy that with those guards with his yeah. body, two bodyguards outside yeah ain't gonna do shit no i love that though that was the only time she ever heard a person yeah fucking and justified like, i did yeah <laughs> sorry yeah. about the guards but otherwise you know uh, you know collateral damage sorry yeah she's hard to falter and also that she didn't want them in any piece of them inside her like oh oh yes that's such a great line she didn't taste their blood because she didn't want nothing to do with them yeah Rosalie apologizes for how she treated Bella when they first met. Sorry. She admits that it wasn't because she was human, like Edward said. Um, Rose was jealous that he wanted Bella instead of her. This is a weird moment. No, but it kind of makes sense in her vainness. Yeah, it's still. That she was like, anyways. Yeah, and Bella, was... Bella mentions Emmett. And Rose explains that she never wanted Edward in that way. She just wasn't used to having literally anybody that didn't want her. Just to quote the seminal band, Cheap Trick, I want you to want me. (laughs) (laughs) Edward never showed a hint of interest in her or even in any of the female vampires in Tanya's clan up in Alaska. Rosalie doesn't feel jealous of Bella anymore, but admits that she still isn't exactly fond of her. Bella asks if it's something that she had done, and Rose replies no. She's angry with Bella's reckless desire to throw her life away. Rosalie would trade anything to regain to regain her humanity, and Bella is choosing to give it away. Bella reminds Rose that she did get her happy ending with Emmett, and Rose grins and recalls the story of how her and Emmett met. She was actually the one who saved Emmett. She came upon him in the woods as he was being mauled by a bear, which is just, you know Emmett started that fight. And he was a human then. He was a human at that point, right? Yeah, he and was. You, but you know he was like, I could take this bear on. <laughs> like, what a perfect origin story for Emmett, that he was found just losing a fight to a bear uh. as a human. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Rosalie rescues Emmett and brings him to Carlisle. She says his curly black hair and innocent face remind of her of Vera's son. So much so that, quote, even though I hated it, this life, I was selfish enough to ask Carlisle to change him for me. It's a bit hypocritical, but it's interesting that kind of all the Cullens kind of face the same dilemma. Yeah. And I like seeing it conflict repeat. Carlisle obviously had that moral dilemma with Edward and Edward's facing that with Bella and Rose despite her clear convictions on the matter is facing that which is I know it's different with Bella because she's choosing but she still had to be conflicted and she understands the selfish act that is choosing to give someone this kind of cursed extra life but I like seeing that kind of distilled to the different characters but all facing that same dilemma very interesting no it is it is Emmett turned out to be the perfect person for her, exactly the kind of guy she needed. And he needed her too. But in the end, they would never grow old together and they could never have children of their own. Yeah, she paints Thank God. A I, can I, I'll, I'll trade her. I'll take that offer. 
immortal and no possibility of children deal i mean yeah to me it sounds extremely appealing but, but we also but i understand suffer huge like trauma. someone who yeah wants that oh it's gotta be the worst thing in the world to want to be a, a a you know woman who wants desperately wants to have a child of their own and can't like this weird seeming fail it's not actually a failure but it feels like a failure of your own body to do a very natural thing like that's very hard i imagine no it is yeah and i mean that's 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 a big issue with rosalie and with esme meanwhile if a doctor told me my sperm didn't work i'd be like hell yeah (laughs) same what rosalie tells bella that while she's mature for her age there's just no way she would know what she's going to want in 10 15 or, or 20 years very true which i fucking hate it when people tell me that i guess yeah because that is the same thing that they say about women who want to get their uh, uterus yes plopped out like me sorry sean with a gentle pound <laughs> the fuck is sean <laughs> oh dad. my dad oh god your dad wants grandchildren what he never he never told me that with a gentle pat on the head rosalie asks that bella at least give herself some time to think it through which is the exact sort of rational, level-headed suggestion that Bella loves to ignore. Oh, absolutely. Rosalie leaves to let Bella sleep, but sleep doesn't come easy. When she finally dozes off, Bella finds herself in a nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> she was crawling across the dark, cold stones on an unknown street, leaving a trail of blood behind her. An angel cast in shadow wearing a long white dress, watches on with a resentful gaze. Wow, what could that mean? I think it's pretty dope. What could it mean? <laughs> Is this a Taylor Swift music video? Bella arrives at school the next morning, dreading having to face the entire day without seeing Edward. After English class, Bella walks outside to find it raining. But even worse, the simp is quickly approaching. With Edward not there, Mike sees his opportunity to ask Bella out. The f- Fucking audacity. I, I Honestly, it's so insane that at this point, I kind of respect it. You just have, <laughs> it's just like, you have it, no shame whatsoever. No, it has to be pathological. <laughs> the, the second Edward is not there to physically stop him from asking Bella out. He, he does it. He does it. Like, it It seems impulsive. Like, it not is even impulsive. Like, but like not, like, not even like a choice, a conscious choice he's making. It's wild. It is. You gotta respect the hustle. You really do, yeah. Bella lies, saying she's going to a sleepover. I mean, kind of a lie, kind of not, yeah. kind of the truth. Yeah. But before Mike can respond, a growling roar erupts from the parking lot, grabbing everyone's attention. Bella looks over to see Jacob with his black motorcycle. This is straight up a scene in Greece, too. Yes. On the motorcycle, he is frantically waving his arms, calling Bella over to him. I absolutely fucking love this part. Um, Instantly understanding Jacob's plan, Bella asks Mike to tell everyone that she went home sick, which I like how she does it. She's like, if anyone, like, she's like, like, I went home sick. I got sick and and I went went home. home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she plans a kiss on his cheek before running off to Jacob. It's it's interesting to witness the exact moment someone's life peaks. (laughs) It's it's very, it's, it's like a I little... I do love that she gave him a peck on the cheek because that's so something I would do. Like, oh my God, thank you, bye. Bella hops onto the back of the bike, wrapping her arms tight around Jacob's waist. Jacob sends the bike roaring to life and the two take off. Bella spots a glancing image of Alice, her eyes dazzling with fury. 
Jacob slows down once they pass over the treaty line. Since Bella didn't know Jacob's plan, Alice never saw it coming. He asks what she wants to do today. Laughing, Bella shouts back, Anyone. Anything. Chapter 8. Temper. Once again, Jacob and Bella end up on the beach talking. It seems like the only thing they know how to do together. Uh, There's not much to do in the push. That's true. Bella asks Jake to catch her up on all the latest pet gossip, but... What the hot goss? What's the hot goss? But the request seems to upset him, strangely. Bella asks what's wrong, and he explains that there has been a bit of a recent scandal on the res. Mm. Quill has imprinted, making it three of them now. It's beginning to look as though imprinting isn't quite as rare as the tribe had thought. Mm. Well, probably because they didn't, uh, they didn't venture out and see very many people. Well, that'll happen. Bella takes Jacob's hand as they continue to walk. Because Bella's a hoe. Um, you can't toy with this boy's emotions like this. This seems unnecessary. Walk, holding hands walking on the beach when you're dating someone else and you know this guy likes you, like that's a bit... It is a bit. When but, you, when you but, know when he's a teenage boy and you know he how he feels about you, like, I just, bad move. Yeah. I'm just saying he's not going to take it in a neutral way. No, like, he's not. you're teasing him. No, yeah, I think you're right. Bella asks who Quill had imprinted on, but Jacob is a bit hesitant to answer, worried about her response. Bella pushes, and finally Jacob tells her, Quill has imprinted on Claire, Emily's niece. Who happens to be two years old? Uh, so, I think we should talk about this for a second. Okay, yeah. Um, I really hate this. Um, I disagree <laughs> with it as well, but it's... Just a weird choice. I know why they made this. Cho- I know why Meyer made this choice. It's clearly setting up for Jacob imprinting, I, but I hate it. Especially nowadays, it's just weird. It's very weird, and I know it's not like I tr- like I don't think Meyer is is like weird or perverted or any kind of problematic herself, no. and I don't think she has any weird and like apologistic intentions, like you know or anything. Because we'll explain a little more going forward exactly what this is supposed to mean, but the just it's weird and com- seems unnecessary. It's yes. really weird. Yes to all of you. I just above. don't like the choice at all. Uh, it bothers me. Uh, you know, again, I'm not going to cancel the series or, you know, no, I'm not saying it's like no. all bad. And it is something that I have to overlook. It, yeah. It's one of those weird things where it's just like, ah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But choice. but I, I do feel like I think, you know, not to go all anti cancel culture but it, but it is getting worse now and i think we're too quick to completely dismiss an entire piece of work or an entire creator and because of one weird problematic choice right which so i'm not so that's why i want to be clear like i'm not saying anything about meyer or the series i don't think anything's wrong i don't think there's any weird like intentions it's yeah. just i hate it i think it's a bad idea uh, yeah. it feels like a it feels like a choice stephen king would make you know, when he was on, like, peak cokehead Stephen King, you know, just wasted out his mind. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those weird things. And I can't believe I haven't heard about this until now. <laughs> um, you know, we liked... Because <laughs> I know where this ends up, and I have heard that. And I know, I understand, like, I totally see this is just a setup to justify a similar thing happening later. Yes. To a more important character. So yes. I see why this is here, 
but I feel like none of that had to happen, so we didn't need to start here. Yes. Because we didn't need to end up where we do. But that's enough. We'll but keep we'll going. Continue. <laughs> Seeing Bella's shocked expression, Jacob quickly explains that it's not like that. Mm. Imprinting isn't inherently romantic. Hmm. Imprinting is less like love at first sight and more like a gravitational pull. Whoever Wolf imprints on becomes the center of their entire world. But how that feeling manifests depends on the situation. Mm. Quill would be more like an older brother to Claire. Then when she's older, he'll be a friend, someone she can trust and confide in. And when he's old enough, they can be together like Emily and Sam. Quill isn't getting any older, so he just has to wait for her to catch up. Um, insert dog grooming joke here. That's really the main problem I have with it is that <laughs> it I'm is like, that's grooming. grooming. <laughs> and, and Bella's even like, uh, uh, does she uh, have a choice in the matter? Yeah, yeah. So continue on your part and then we'll talk well, about Well, yeah, it. I'll just say this. So Bella asks if Claire has any choice and Jacob's like, well, yeah, sure, of course. Which if anyone has to say, of course, I feel like maybe not of course. Yeah. But why wouldn't she choose him in the end? He he'll be a he'll be her perfect match. Like he was designed for her alone. God, and I hate reading where, this. That's that's where the that's, problem that's occurs to me. That's I'm grooming. like, that's fucking grooming. There um, is a great I haven't I haven't been able to come up with it. I'll get yeah. back to you if I do, but there is a great dog grooming joke in here somewhere. Oh god. Uh, I haven't found it yet. But but there's literally and again, like at the time when this came out, not that this was like that long ago, but I don't yeah, think I groom- didn't know what that term was. Well, exactly. Right? And that's what like, I'm trying I didn't to say. Know like, that was a thing. Grooming wasn't in the zeitgeist. It wasn't like a concept people understand. Like, 110% this would never, this would not happen within like the in last five years. This book, no. it would never come Absolutely from this book. not. It, but you literally is describing grooming, where he's with this person their entire life to the point that they don't even know. Right. Any they other don't op- know any different. Yeah, it's no. like, why would they want anyone else to be the perfect person for him? Like, yeah, they would be the perfect person for him because they haven't lived a life outside of them. Exactly. How would they know? Exactly. So it's and weird. they're giving them everything that they want. I mean, with the and right, I- uh, you know, headspace. But still, you know, you have this impressionable young person. Who is two? They have nothing now. Like they are not even. They don't even. They're not going to remember anything now. You're going to be there. No, he's just a babysitter at this point. Yeah, it's just I. And I get there's like a magical quality to it, so it's beyond anyone's like quote unquote choice. But it is just. It's just weird. It's not. It's a weird. Not a great idea. It's a weird thing to put, especially like how much Jacob has to completely defend this choice and like backpedal and be like, no, well, no, no. I know how like last time we talked about this, I said it was like love at first times a thousand but, but it's not like that at all necessarily like that. now it's like like a, a planet orbiting the sun it's, it's just a gravity anyway. I, I literally had to talk about this with my coworker because i got to this part of, at work and she has read the book and listens to the podcast and she like hey, talked Sabrina. to me through it. Hey, hey, hey sabby <laughs> what's up sabs uh she loves when i call her sobs <laughs> Does she? I've never called her that. <laughs> but yeah, thank thank you, Sabrina, for uh, helping me through this moment because I was very upset and I was like, um, can I need help processing something? <laughs> and she was there <laughs> for me. So Bella is understandably shocked. Yeah. This And this was the first time anything about the werewolves that actually had bothered her. She asked Jacob when he thinks he'll imprint, but he's not exactly sure it's ever going to happen. 
taking a hard left turn in this conversation, Jacob asks Bella <laughs> if she wants to go ride the bikes. Oh, shit. Bella is, is hesitant, but uh, who fucking cares at this point? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> they ride around the back roads of La Push until the rain and Jacob's stomach forces them back home. After eating, they go to the garage to hang out. They talk about the old times before Jacob changed and Edward returned. Before we all had to think about imprinting. <laughs> Jacob apologizes for ratting her out to Daddy Swan, but Bella has long forgiven him. Jacob then asks about her transformation. If she was still serious about being turned, Bella lets out a quiet yes. And Jacob reminds her that being bit will break the treaty. Bella explains that they'll leave Forks before it even happens. But Jacob tells her that the treaty has no geographic limits. If Edward bites her, the tentative peace between the Cullens and the Quileutes is over. As much as he loves her, Jacob simply can't accept Bella becoming a vampire. He tells her, once it happens, you won't be Bella anymore. My friend won't exist. Bella asks if this means goodbye, which confuses Jacob. He says, well, they can be friends until she changes. I mean, they still have a few years to figure things out before they have to deal with it. But Bella clarifies, years? No, Jake, not years. Weeks is uh, more accurate. There was a loud pop as a soda can exploded in Jacob's hand. Jacob was... Hot. <laughs> That's hot. hot? It's hot. <laughs> this is very interesting. I want to see you break a fucking soda can with your hand, baby. It'll be so hot. Is that a is that a strength thing, or do you like like just you want the sugary beverage all over? I want the anger. <laughs> like you're dating the wrong you man. <laughs> that took you for surprise. I mean, that's fine for you to want that. I just don't know why you're with me. <laughs> Jacob was suddenly on his feet. His entire body was violently shaking. The shaking rippled through him until the very shape of his body began to blur. Bella desperately tries to explain, telling him about Edward being only 17 and not wanting to outgrow him. What else can I do, Bella pleads. Anything else. Anything. Bella recoils as if she'd been slapped. Her shock is soon replaced by anger, and she pulls her bike out into the rain. Jacob doesn't move as Bella climbs onto the bike and takes off towards the Cullens. I do gotta say, there's, there's a line where she's like... Maybe I'll fucking get hit by oh, a car yeah. on my way home. You like that? Would you like that? Which, Maybe yeah, I that's a fucking mean ass thing to say. Like I wish you'd die rather than do that. Yeah, but I think he believe. I think he means it. I'll say. Bella arrives to find Alice sitting in the driveway on top of her brand new Porsche. Edward was taking it back. She wasn't uh, exactly holding up to her end of the bargain. Bella takes a much needed hot shower and goes to bed early, again choosing to sleep on the couch. It was still dark when she woke, but she could tell that something was different. Someone had moved her onto the bed in the middle of the night. Next to her, a voice softly apologizes, and Bella tenses, waiting for the coming fury, both his and hers. But Edward's presence is calm and gentle, and Bella finds that she suddenly doesn't care if she was supposed to be angry. She was just happy to have him back. Uh, you should still be mad. You, you uh, were kidnapped. You should still be very angry. But I mean, you know, but he's hot. He's so hot. He's so attractive. Bella reaches out to him, and Edward pulls her tight onto his chest, yeah. softly cradling her in his stone arms. Yeah, baby they begin to kiss, you. mutually agreeing to save their fight for another time. Bella swings her leg around his hips, and is surprised when he doesn't stop her. His lips move to the base of her throat 
as he softly whispers into her neck. But Bella can hardly make sense of his words. He rolls her over until he's on top of her, gently pressing his body under hers. Am I a smut reader now? This is the least offensive thing we've read this entire episode. It thinks are heating up over here in the Cullen house. I'm just glad they're both, I would say adults, but I guess they're, I don't know. They're both adults. Yeah, they're both adults. Ah, uh, he's 17. What? No, uh, see, I'm so <laughs> sick of that argument. He's not, though. He's not. He has some 17-year-old emotions. Yes, but Bella is so hung up on him being 17. I'm like, girl, he is 100 years old. He has lived for 100 Decrepid, years. Decrepit, in your words. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get into this. You're not going to get me. You're going to make me get into this. He teasingly asks if she's changed her mind about the bed before rolling over so that they were both laying on their sides again. Once her head was finished spinning, Stella admits to seeing the, uh, there's a few benefits to having on bed. But she points out it's still a waste if they aren't going to fully take advantage of its uses. You know. She'd die. Not if you turned her. Mm-hmm. It's too dangerous, Edward tells her. I like the danger, Bella says, annoyingly. I'm fucking here for it. No, it's pretty hot, actually. Edward tells her he's sorry for the whole holding her against her will thing. Yada, yada. I know I kidnapped you. I, like, paid, I bribed my sister to, like, hold you against your will and all of them, whatever. <laughs> he got killed. Also, we know Alice's fucking price at this point. Like, <laughs> she'll betray anyone Porsche. for a Porsche. <laughs> Which I guess it's a, that's a good price. Nah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd betray a couple people for a Porsche. He got carried away trying to protect her, and he won't do it again. Bella apologizes for running off to the reservation, but Edward says there's nothing to forgive. He wasn't just being overly protective. He let his prejudices against werewolves cloud his judgment. Also his jealousy, which he still Yeah, I was a little annoyed he didn't admit to being jealous at this point. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's we what all it know. actually was. We've been new. It had nothing to do with your prejudice against werewolves. Get the fuck out. I mean, it partially. Yeah, I'm but sure, like, but... I, I doubt it mattered that much. Edward doesn't seem like the kind of guy that cares that much. Bella rests her head against his chest and tells him she probably won't be going back to La Push anyways. Because uh, Jacob started telling her this weird shit about imprinting on a two-year-old. <laughs> no. uh, we call into Edward the fight that had happened between her and Jacob. Bella expected Edward to be happy, but he can't take pleasure in anything that hurts Bella. Before going to sleep, Bella brings up her conversation with Rosalie. She asks about the group of female vampires in Denali, the ones Rose had said that were interested in Edward. Hello. Who's jealous now. And Edward admits, yeah, sure, there's a few who showed preferences for him, but Edward was never interested. Quote, he prefers brunettes, as he says to her. Love that. I would say, I would rather him say I prefer humans or like you or something. I don't know. Mm. Why does that have to be about my fucking hair, Edward? I think it was a joke. Oh, like Ben? Yes. Like Ben? Like joke Ben's ben joke, yes. No, but not as funny. Yeah. Edward hums a soft lullaby and Bella quickly drifts back into sleep. Lovely. And that's the end of Twilight. No. Um. So that's the end of our chapter recap. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. back better than ever and we're gonna get into our personal proclivities for this week's chapters you want to go first jess i'm gonna start with my my favorite line actually all right instead of my favorite moment all right change it up uh mine uh is actually two lines oh and it is uh when bella is asking edward you know better than to be jealous right he raises one eyebrow do i Ooh, i love that that is i do like that moment too 
Um, I'll, I'll do my line. I also cheated. Also <laughs> technically two lines. Yeah. But it, it's uh, when Carlisle brings back Rosalie in her flashback story and turns her. Um, he's kind of just Edward and Esme are kind of mad at him. M- mostly Edward. They're like, yeah. what? This is a bad idea. I shouldn't have done that. And he's like, it was too much waste. I couldn't leave her. He repeated in a whisper. Of course he couldn't. Esme agrees. Which is just a sweet moment. Like, Esme totally gets moment. it. She's yeah. like, no, I... I understand you, you like, could not. You had to. It's just part of who he is. That's just him, yeah. Well, I'd like to hear what your favorite moment is, Spencer, because we actually have the same favorite moment. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to pick this, I feel like, but it's Rosalie's story. Like, yeah. all of it, just fantastic. Especially an, her yeah. going and kill billing uh, Royce and all his, his dickhead friends. Just, yeah, it's great. It explains her character. It's it, It's a fascinating story. It's... You know, satisfying and it makes a lot of sense. But I also like that at the end, she doesn't. She's not like friends with Bella yet. She's still upset. Like she, but right. you, you, but, but it you makes get sense. A better insight in like her stance on things and how she will never fully support Bella yeah. throwing away her life to become a vampire. Which she wouldn't if you went through that. You wouldn't either. Like yeah. that makes total sense. Uh, uh, and, and it's like she said in New Moon. Like I wish someone had voted no for me. Right. Right. No, it's hard for her. Like, she didn't get a choice, and to see someone make the choice is just, yeah, it sucks. I wouldn't. Yeah. For her, it's like seeing someone choose to, like, have cancer or, like, you know, become handicapped or something. You know, like, to her, it's an intense trauma and and not a upgrade on her life in any way. It was like just she had to to survive, and it was kind of forced on her. Exactly, yeah. Uh, But runner-up for favorite moment was specifically within Rose's story is how she met Emmett because I just it's perfect for his character that like (laughs) he was fighting a bear yeah and she saw his 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 cute face face. and it reminded her of Vera's son and that Mm -hmm. just hits me right in the feels yeah I just love (laughs) just he just found Emmett fighting a bear I like to imagine he was like trying to punch it too that is very like he was like trying to literally fight it as a human at this point he loves the good irritable grizzly bear hey you know he you know, coward. Well, my favorite moment's actually the same as yours, right? It was uh, all of Rosalie's story. Mm-hmm. But um, it, my runner-up, though, personally, would be uh, Jake and Bella making a fucking run for it. That was great. That was oh, a great moment. so goddamn satisfying. Yeah, just Especially her realizing. She's like, I went home sick, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then kisses Mike on a cheek. Yeah. And then rides off into the sunset with this handsome little boy that mm-hmm. Mike can't compete it's with. It's literally like Still can't a, a scene out of Greece or, or some cheesy movie. It like, was, am- just, it was just great. amazing. It's hilarious. But that's our proclivities. Let's get into... Exploring the lore. Exploring the lore. So Spencer, what, what kind of shit you got cooked up for us today? So we're going to go over what we learned and what I think is going to happen. But So what we learned, we've got, a, we've got a lot of things mostly about Rose. We kind of got Rose's story explained to us, which is now basically all of the Cullens. I guess Jasper's the biggest mystery and certain parts of Edward's life. But otherwise, we're kind of getting all, yeah, the, I mean, all the main characters down. Yeah, I mean, in Rose's down. backstory, we also get Emmett's. Right, and I don't think Emmett's going to have a more... Co- I mean, because that's kind of his whole story. Is no. that you e- found e- him and Emmett's backstory is like how he was fighting a bear. backstory <laughs> yeah. was. You know, where it's Which just kind of brushed yeah. over... Don't You don't really get into depth right. on it like we do, like, Carlisle or, yeah. you know... 
bros. Well, and if the colons ha- if it hasn't been in the book, you've explained it on previous episodes, the, you know, like Alice's backstory and stuff like that. So we pretty much got it down. But um, yeah. but an interesting thing I was a bit surprised by, but it, not really when I thought about it. But Rose saying that her record is basically as clean as Carlisle's, hinting that it's cleaner than Edward's specifically, but saying that she, she never actually has t- even tasted human blood and her only... You know, smudging her record is killing is that those she's, guys. She's but, an actual murderer, but not uh, but, for, yeah. But you it's, know. Yeah, no one's going to fault her for that. Being a vampire, right? If right. she was a human, she would have wanted to do the same thing. But it totally makes sense, because like Carlisle, she came into her powers very traumatically, and in a way that made her very specifically disgusted by it. Yeah. Just makes, so it makes sense she would never even try to taste human blood. No, it is very within her character. Yeah, especially growing that. up with Carlisle. Uh, but I also like, I, I like how that implies all the other Cullens, you know, have had mm-hmm. their slip-ups. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, so that's interesting. And, you know, I'll just say it now, I'll just mix it together. But my, kind of my only real prediction is that I think going with the theme of Edward's kind of problematic parts of him kind of coming to light, I think we're going to learn about his his, like, runaway period in this book at some point. Okay. And I think that's going to have some kind of consequences because they've hinted at this that Edwards had this kind of dark time where he wasn't he mm-hmm. wasn't with the Collins and I don't think he's going to do anything that terrible because it's not his nature but I think there's going to be a few I think he's probably tried tasting people I think there's been some moments for him because it implies that everyone else has tasted human blood if right. she's specifically saying I haven't and only Carlisle is even better than I am as far as track right because goes. he's he's not actively killed someone no um, no. Yeah, it is very interesting. And it also like makes you wonder, like, okay, uh, which of the Collins was it like a slip or like right? Because I could see or like who who do you think had the hardest time? Well, they've kind of mentioned that it's been Jasper is kind of struggling. But aside the most. from Jasper, uh, well, probably Edward then. <sighs> Emmett's hard. I guess I guess Emmett would be. He's so likable. It's hard to imagine him doing that. But I could also see him. I he's can not see one to him fight his urges. So like blase about or like not blase, uh, like. Well, he don't really care about human life all that much. I think he can like right. slip into this like almost like disregard for humans because he's so like his yeah. world is so almost small in a way. Right. Like I don't think he's a bad person at all. But I think if he hadn't been turned and been with the Collins, I don't think he would have ever even thought to not consume. Yeah, people. I kind of get those. Vibes like he would have been like, well, this is what I am now. This is what we do. It's a power. Th-. Like, I think he would have been a kind of a wanderer. Like, like I ate burgers in my past life. Like, how is this kind of different? Yeah, you know, you just got to do it. So whatever. I think he would become like a wandering, like always picking fights, kind of like a James, but less like vindictive. And but like less nomadic. And, and, and nomadic, but also kind of looking for a challenge, looking to fight people, you know, strong. Yeah, I, I think I, I get those vibes, too, which yeah, but, which also kind of makes me happy that he's found Rose and in Rose. Right. someone who can like literally hold him because down. he is inherently good and so he just needs someone to like push him that way so i think it would be jasper alice maybe alice is also hard to imagine uh, well her, the thing about alice is know. that she knew where her life was going so i don't oh, think true. alice i don't i don't she? I, I don't know hmm. that's the thing that's but i do know that she was practicing that vegetarian lifestyle prior to actually right. meeting the because right, 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 right. she knew that that was going to happen she was and got kind of got a head start yeah Whereas Jasper, not so much. Right. And that's what probably Jasper's the hardest is he wasn't really born into it right. as much as Edward was born into that lifestyle. Right. So was Esme and Rosalie. But I, I, that was a good conversation. No, um, but also quick little thing. I, I do. I really enjoyed in Rosalie's backstory, like getting a little glimpse into the Collins, like as a younger family, like just yeah. where it's just Edward and Esme. Like that's so interesting. I was just cool to see different 
you know, because they lived for long periods of time with only certain members and they slowly gathered more people. So it wasn't always this clan. I want to say in Midnight Sun, we Mm. get a lot more of that. Mm. Where like he kind of remarks back on like certain times and and, like, yeah, conversations maybe between. And you kind of get the dynamic of Mm -hmm. the Cullen family, I guess, through time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was much, yeah, Edward seems like he was much more moody back then, like much more harsh. But he's also like a central character, too, Mm -hmm. because he can read everyone else's mind, which is why I think Midnight Sun is so interesting, because you kind of get all these little facets. But anyways. Let's stop reading the clips. Let's just do Midnight Midnight Sun. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, to... But back to more things that we have learned. Back to more things that we have learned. (laughs) Edward seems just inherently not into female vampires where he it seems yeah. like he just uh, i'm wondering if he he just like didn't i don't know if it's like a his problems with like it's like kind of disgust with vampires and and how he views them and he's just not into it at all we have but we haven't really talked a whole lot in the books it hasn't really covered into like for for lack of a better term like just vampire horniness and like how that all works because yeah. we know they're paired up but like how does like casual dating work do they sleep around like you know like right like right. how do these do they only couple up in like these intense bonding pairs or like what is happening? We don't really know how that all works. Yeah. And you know, it kind of doesn't always get answered, but from right. what we can tell so far, it, it isn't we know that blood. they do pair it. up Yeah, and we know, and the thing about vampires, and this mm-hmm. is the important thing to know about them is that they don't change, right? right. They'll be the same for a millennia. And so whenever something in their mm-hmm. life changes big like say a new person comes into their life they mm-hmm. fall in love that change tends to be like permanent because that's just how they approach everything exactly everything is a permanent which is makes it even which makes sense why it's so weird for them to like try to settle down and have to keep moving places because like i see why they don't want to be in these big groups because they want to just do the same thing because they're right. just eternal yeah and so it, it, it tends to be so so like yeah this whole like partnering up thing is a thing obviously the cullens wouldn't all be partnered up and paired up and like we wouldn't see this kind of commonality Mm -hmm. um if it were not like a trait that was regularly seen like you know with james and and victoria they tend to pair up interesting that edward just seems like in a very like he's not like resisting temptation or anything at least that's not the vibe i got it seems like he just truly just didn't want want any part of it he wasn't interested yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking because if you if you think about it he was changed at the age of 17 yeah um it was during what world war one well post-world war one because it's the spanish flu right and is, so i imagine growing flu. up he's wanting to join the military uh, his father maybe. was gone in the military but there wasn't a war to join but point. growing up there was yeah but we like, were barely in that war but but it's it's something yeah, to think right. about. Like maybe Edward just never developed that like romantic, like sexual kind of thing uh, in no, his 17? human life. No. Well, no, no, no. But like had not didn't know how to date, seek out girls or anything yeah. kind of like that. And so whenever he was changed, he kind of held on to that like not actively seeking out to fuck girls kind yeah. of mentality. And then also if he like meets, uh, you know, as he's getting older. As time is passing, mm-hmm. things get more and more like, dare I say, promiscuous. Dare you say. And and maybe he's just not into that. I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that could explain why Edward right. didn't fall in love with anyone until Bella came around. Yeah. Or didn't even show interest in Well, and we know Bella, Bella is a very specific case that we covered with the uh 
right. in, in which I don't think he would have even, you know, this would have never happened if two things weren't true. If he didn't, you know, vie for her blood so intensely and mm-hmm. also if he could hear her mind. Yeah, I think it's more the mind thing because the, the kind of implication I got, we're way off on a tangent here now, really but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to wrap it up. But uh, the implication I got is that he kind of is in love with Bella despite the, the way her her blood sings to him because that seems to be more of a thirst thing and he yeah. loves her so much that he will resist this ultimate temptation which maybe is like a whole chase metaphor kind of thing i think going that on. could be but i mean if you also consider like if he was able to read her mind he probably wouldn't be so intrigued as to keep coming back to her right well i think yeah that those kind of go together because they happen at the same time one as soon as he smells her at least according to the movie he nearly vomits no, uh, that's him nearly killing her. I think. I know, but the way the way Pattinson act plays it out, he, he looks like he's about to vomit, right, right. <laughs> or he's creaming his pants. One of the two, probably both. both. And he realizes instantly, I'm sure, which must be the first time ever, he can't read her mind. Mm. So it's like both these things. Like, what a mind fuck. No wonder he's like, I need to change classes. <laughs> oh right, right, absolutely. Which at this point seems like almost like such a, like a half-assed maneuver because you think he would just leave. Right. Knowing him now. Well, no, and but that's the reason why he didn't leave. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. He needed to fucking read her mind or understand her. Third point here, which cracks me up because I had something like that written in the side yeah. of my <laughs> Yeah, I'm margins. sure you did. So Rose at one point perfectly imitates Edward's voice, which I can only imagine is Stephanie Meyer mocking me. Uh, just <laughs> in my, my 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 incorrect take about mm, Alice. How else could Alice perfectly mock? I still contend that that was a clear setup in the way that was written. That felt so pointed, and I was so proud of myself for piecing that together. I'm still upset, and then I guess everyone could just do it. So yep. whatever. If you're a vampire. If I was Stephanie's editor, I'd be like, stop making everyone imitate his voice. <laughs> It's making me mad. The other thing is uh, we unfortunately get a lot of information on imprinting. Right, which we did talk about. Or we, we already discovered extensively, so we won't go into it. Uncomfortableness with it. We're just going oh, to pretend that A, it either doesn't exist, or B, that it's slightly less problematic than it actually is. It's unintentionally problematic in yes. um, my opinion. You're right. I think it is unintentional, but oh, I just can't get I can't get the bad taste out of my mouth. It's not a good look. But again, we shouldn't. We're, Let's just pretend it is 2007. Yeah, I was Googling and that when the we book don't came out. have this. Like, There's no Me Too. We're perception shift, like in society. Weinstein's best known for producing Lord of the Rings movies, which <sighs> is in my mind because we've been seeing the re the re-release, the re-releases of the, of the and like the third credit. Of like when the producers come up, there's like Harvey Weinstein's giant name in the theater. It's just like, Ugh. yeah. But anyways, but a part of it I did want to cover is that now there's three members of the La Push Posse that have imprinted: yes. Sam, Jared, and Quill. Yes, Quill most recently. So it does seem to be more of a common feature than kind of Jacob led on, well, yeah. or, or he believed, or they all believed because that it was rare. But but yeah. I think the also thing is here is sample size because there'd right. never been a pack this big. And also right. back then they really didn't interact with very many other humans. Yeah. Whereas now like traveling is possible in well, that way. Yeah, and and this is, you know, they've skipped a generation or two basically where like the elders know about these things but they didn't really live through it. They didn't weren't transforming. So they are just kind of trying to remember it's like us trying to remember like how checks work 
Right. And like we <laughs> like 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 us trying to like teach our children that we won't have don't get excited dad. Um like we had children like us trying to explain to them like how checkbooks worked. We and never used it, but we were around like we do no, remember no, no. that okay, happening. That's untrue cuz I know how checkbooks work cuz I used a checkbook only so that I wouldn't have to take out money orders for my rent. Fair enough. But that would be like if our child was trying to explain <laughs> books because we have used it i right? haven't i've literally never, never written a check it? okay i mean i've cashed checks thanks family but uh well I've then never i will written just a check i will just agree with your metaphor there <laughs> and then finally they mention jacob mentions that the vampire treaty with the colon or the the quilly treaty with the colons is not a geographic thing it is kind of all encompassing all encompassing which is interesting it's partially geographic right well, because the there is a treaty is, but... boundary line right. like the Collins can't come over here and they can't protect anybody on the other side of their line but the but also like the no attacky human rule is is, is omnipresent yes it is. it's which, always present. it makes yeah. sense for Carlisle to agree to that because like yeah yeah we don't do that so that's not a problem it doesn't matter you know which so makes sense right it would probably help to the the the, the Quileats trust them more to be like we're not right. if we touch anyone anywhere you can go and the treaty's void because we're not yeah like I mean that. really the 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 parts of the treaty were like okay the only reasons we're not gonna attack you the only reason that y'all can attack us is a is if we cross the treaty line mm-hmm. or b we bite a human yeah and then since we don't bite rain. humans that's we're gonna make gonna that happen. promise yeah, it's gonna be universal yeah. so if you find out we ever did it. So we promise not to go on your land just to make you feel safer, but we are not also going to, we're not going to bite a human. So Mm -hmm. don't even worry about it. And if we did, you can kill us or try to. So, Spencer, what are your predictions? Luckily, I don't have a lot because we're already going long (laughs) after. Uh, But I have only one real one. But I think, like I mentioned, Edward's runaway period that that we've briefly heard about, I think it's going to come up and I think it's going to cause some kind of problems because I think he's probably going to do some things he's not proud of. And I think that's kind of also informed his feelings about va- being a vampire because I think he's he's gone there and it's seen and he's like I don't want her to be a monster too right because I think he I think it's gonna be a thing where he knows how easy it is just to slip and just go and because it is natural for them like that is just what they do and they are right. actively fighting their nature to not consume you know human blood so I could see him very easily slipping and that being a thing and then this isn't so much a prediction per se but it, I think the whole quill, imprinting thing is clearly a setup for what we're gonna which I, i've talked about i already knew this coming in the series but what jacob's future holds i think quill imprinting on a two-year-old will is weirder than what jacob's gonna do so maybe it's kind of, i think like it's a bit of a justification yes it's not so much a prediction as like clearly this is you're it, just kind of seeing through Meyer the lines had this, here meyer knew where this is gonna go this is a plot device so she's setting this up to make to let the audience be more accepting of when Jacob's future thing comes up. So, right. but that's it. And you know, that's it. And we're going, and I'm so excited. It is a big day on the road to pretension. I knew it. All the construction's cleared. I knew that you were doing this. Oh man. We are covering what is possibly my favorite book of all time. And quite perfect that quite our, perfect. our baby boy Fitzgerald yes. is laying on top of the cables that exactly. that our data is that now our voices are through. feeding through. All right, guys, so strap in, uncork some illegal champagne, and get your dresses <laughs> flapping because this week we are covering the seminal American novel, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Burr, burr, burr. In the presence of my lovely cat Fitzgerald, named after 
F. Scott. It's your namesake, baby boy. It's your namesake. So let's get into it, guys. I'm so excited. I'm going to pee myself. Just he kidding. really is. I'm very, I'm very excited. A longtime staple of American high school English class, The Great Gatsby is considered one of, if not the greatest work of American literature. And it is tied, for me, with the secret history as personal favorite book of all time. Yep, I can attest to this. I it, they are the two books that I re reread every year. I've read I got, more than any. Fun books. fact: I got him this entire book printed on a T-shirt. Yes, I gift. still have. She, I have a shirt that has the entirety of the Great Gatsby printed on it, and it's I love it. Gatsby is often described as the is a story of the American dream. That's why it's such a quintessential quintessentially American novel. But I think that it's more of the story of an American spirit. America is a young and prosperous country whose short history has left it immune or perhaps rather uninterested in the notions of deep-rooted tradition. I am uninterested in deep-rooted tradition. Versus, you know, cultures, you know, older European and Asian cultures and African cultures that have so much more history than us. I think we tend to be as, and obviously I'm not including Native Americans when I say that, I mean uh, United States right. American United States spirit, America. how we are. Because we are, as a people, born of revolution and innovation, and we are tantalized by the belief that at any moment we could reinvent ourselves into whatever form we could dream up. And at the core of the American spirit is the supreme capacity for hope. And no book better captures that unique spirit than The Great Gatsby. So since probably most people haven't read Gatsby since high school, if they have at all, Here's a quick refresh on the plot. Set in 1920s America, the story is told through the eyes of one Nick Carraway. After graduating from college, Nick leaves his home in the Midwest to join the thousands of others flocking to New York City to seek their fortune in the burgeoning stock market. He moves into a small house on Long Island nestled under the shadow of a lavish mansion. Night after night, the mansion springs to life as people flock from across the city to attend its famous parties. And one day, Nick receives an invitation to the party from the owner of the mansion, a mysterious Jay Gatsby. Gatsby? What Gatsby? Gatsby? Once there, he quickly learns that he is, in fact, the only person who has actually been invited to the home. And it is until late in the night before Nick finally meets the host, a young, handsome man of infinite charm and elegance. As Nick fam famously notes that he had a smile that seemed to, quote, be irresistibly prejudiced in your favor. I love the way that that's put. <clears throat> Such a great line. Nick soon learns that Gatsby's charm comes with ulterior motives. As fortune would have it, Nick's cousin was Daisy Buchanan, an angelically beautiful woman married to the generationally wealthy Tom Buchanan. Many years ago, Gatsby and Daisy had fallen madly in love, but when Gatsby was drafted to fight in the Great War, their relationship faded and Daisy ended up married to Tom. Since returning from the war, Gatsby has dedicated his life to becoming an incredibly wealthy and successful so that he could be worthy of Daisy's affection again. His lavish home and opulent parties are all just a means to an end, for his only dream is to reclaim the past that he lost with Daisy. So through Nick, the two reconnect and begin a scandalous affair. Love it. But the affair is found out, leading to a series of events, which you can read about. It's not a long book. It should only take you like a couple days to read. But it ends up in the accidental death spoilers of Myrtle Wilson, who happens to be Tom Buchanan's mistress, one of many. Seeking revenge, Myrtle Wilson's husband tracks down Gatsby and slays him in his own swimming pool, unknowingly executing an innocent man. 
In Rosalie's backstory, we travel back to the waning days of the Jazz Age, arriving just at the onset of the Great Depression. But despite the surrounding economic despair, Rosalie's family is thriving. Her father's position at one of the few banks able to survive the Depression has left them not exactly rich, but well off compared to most Americans at the time. Like virtually every character in The Great Gatsby, Rosalie's parents have convinced themselves that their fortunes have nothing to do with luck and instead are, are simply the result of them working harder or wanting it more. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-money, and The Great Gatsby is absolutely not an anti-capitalist book. But it is a book about dishonest people. They lie about their affairs, and they lie about their intentions. But their greatest lie is the one, they tell them, is the one that they tell them themselves. Over and over, they trick themselves into believing that they are the masters of their own fate, that the rich are rich because they are better, and the poor are poor because they are worse. And it is this lie that embodies and exposes the absurdity that lies at the core of the quote-unquote American dream. Amen! You didn't earn shit. Listen, fuck capitalism! Fuck Popo. I said it. It's fine. So... So while her parents may be desperate social climbers, Rosalie is distinctly not. Her desires are much more in line with those of Daisy. While on the surface they may seem vain and selfish, and to an extent they definitely are, what they desire most, though, is stability. Born into a time when women had virtually no agency, they must rely on the only currency that they have, which was their looks. Both of them are simultaneously empowered and entrapped by their beauty. And you can see the trait reflected in their names. Both are named after flowers, Rosalie being French for rose and Daisy being English for Daisy. Good catch. Plants that are, flowers being plants that are valued not for any kind of tangible practical use, but for aesthetic purposes. Yes. And both names are very much purposeful. Daisy flowers have a yellow center surrounded by white petals, which fits a running theme in The Great Gatsby of, of Daisy's character constantly being connected to gold and wealth. Uh, at one point, her voice is described as being full of money, which I love that line. <laughs> Not to mention that gold being surrounded by white fill in, you know gold wealth being surrounded by white petals. Right. We can fill in the, the tracks from there. Yeah. Um, and medicinally, daisies are known to possess astringent properties, meaning that causes the body tissues to constrict. And the word astringent comes from the Latin word meaning to bind and ensnare quickly, fitting for a woman who drove a man she only briefly met to become exceptionally wealthy and powerful just for the chance to be with her. Bonus fact, the Latin name for daisies, bellus parentis. Bella. Bellas. Bella. Huh? Huh? Bella. Bella. Her name's Bella. Her name's Bella. She's not one of us. <laughs> like, yeah, what? what yeah, fucking no, Emmett. What? 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 I can hear her heartbeat. Yeah, what are you talking about? Anyways, and though there are many varieties and colors, roses are most commonly associated with a blood red color. Just that Rosalie is eternally beautiful, yet dangerously powerful, roses are perennially flowering while protected by rows of razor-sharp thorns. It's a fitting name. It is, yeah, I agree. Especially the perennially flowering. I was like, oh, that's perfect. She's eternally beautiful. Right. Roses are always flowering. Perfect. Yeah. However, unlike Daisy, Rosalie never never achieves the life she envisioned for herself, (sighs) at least not as a human. Not ever, right? Because she'd really be growing all the children and grandchildren. No, definitely. In that way, Rosalie is much more like Gatsby. 
losing their lives just as they were on the cusp of having everything they ever wanted. Damn. And both are portrayed by the person they, they believe to be the last piece in achieving true happiness. For Gatsby, Rose, uh, Daisy was actually the one at fault for the death of Myrtle Wilson and quickly put the blame on Gatsby uh, without second thought. But Gatsby would have took the blame anyways, but right. that's a whole other thing. But unlike Gatsby, Rosalie lives on to contemplate and understand where she went wrong. More than anyone else in the story, Rosalie understands what it means to place the fate of your hopes and dreams onto another person. She placed her vision of an idealized future in Royce, and she lost everything, just as Gatsby did when he placed his ide- idealized, just as Gatsby did when he placed his idealized version of the past in Daisy. Nick's time in New York mingling around the rich and powerful left a deep impact on him. And after witnessing the careless cruelty of the rich destroy Gatsby, Nick abandons his dreams of climbing the ranks of the powerful and wealthy. To quote, Gatsby turned out all right in the end. It's what preyed on Gatsby. What foul dust floated in the wake of his dreams that that temporarily closed out my interest in the abortive sorrows and short-winded elations of man. God, what a sentence. Mm -hmm. Fucking great. Uh, Rose, like Nick, understands what tragedy can come from blind devotion to achieve an idealized life. Just as Gatsby only sought wealth so they could end up with Daisy, Bella only seeks immortality so that she can be with Edward. But Bella being Bella will almost certainly ignore the warning, because in reality, we all would. I've read this book countless times, and I fully understand the glaring flaws in Gatsby and his dreams, and yet... A big part of me wants to be like Gatsby. Fuck yeah, I want to be like Gatsby. Right? Because knowing that failure and tragedy are all but inevitable and still choosing to place hope in the future is the American dream. Or at least the American spirit. And in that way, Bella embodies the closing line of the great Gatsby. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms farther, and one fine morning. Except that isn't the final line. The story feels as if it should end there, looking forward with boundless hope, but the American dream goes both ways. Just as we dream of a glorious future, we are prone to long for an idealized past. Make America great again. You know, every politician, every person has framed America in some kind of glorious past at some point or another. We love the past just as much as we love the future, and the... The dreams of Rosalie's human life died the day she transformed. Everything she had desired is forever fixed in that irretrievable point in time. Her future is quite literally infinite, yet she is limited by her past. And in that way, Rosalie embodies the actual last line of the book. So we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Wow. Uh, You know, we were all... Waiting for whenever you would do the Great Gatsby. Were we? Everyone's really waiting. Like, I really like that Thank parallel you. between that book and Rosalie's. Story. Yeah, yeah. It just, I mean, it was perfect. As soon as I was like, "Oh, this is the twenties, or like the early 30s, Yep, I'm doing Gatsby. Just makes oh, too yeah. much sense. Yeah, that's great. I feel whew, I got a big weight off my shoulder. I did it. I finally got Gatsby in here. Good. I don't it's know well if done. I'll. I don't know if I'll ever be able to relate Secret History. We'll see. We'll see. At some point, probably, but I at least got one of my favorite books. Yeah. Go read Gatsby. It's a great read. It's a great, quick, fun read. Uh, Beautifully written language. My favorite 
probably author just sentence to sentence the best written book I've ever read. Just right. amount of times I go, God damn, what a great sentence. <laughs> but anyways, let's tamper my erection with Jess. Yeah. Telling us some things we, we didn't know. I'm going to take a short break, though. Cool. All right, I'm back. I'm fucking lit right now. We're we're twilight. We're twilight. Can I just tell you about um, my favorite all-time practical joke? You know who Andy Kaufman is? The name sounds familiar. He was a comedian. Um, a particular. He was kind of one of those like ahead of his time kind of guys. He was like a very weird meme type comedian, but he okay. did a lot of weird kind of jokes. He's a weird dude, but okay. he was every comedian's like favorite comedian. But he did a prank where he was doing a show. At like this college theater, and mm-hmm. someone like heckled him, and it pissed him off so bad he read the entirety of The Great Gatsby to the audience in one sitting. Just stood there and read the entire book all at once. Would you? I would have, have stayed. stayed. Okay. <laughs> I would have been like, "This is the best piece of surrealist art I've ever witnessed." Just, I love that he didn't do it any show. He just read the entire book, start to finish. Good for him. That's kind of fun. That's really fun. That's actually very d- funny. I would pay to like watch like a comedian read the great cat. You know, like I would that go to that like, show. Very meta. Like right. I feel like he was so he was meta before people called things meta. He was he was right? like in the eighties or seventies and eighties, and he was like do, like he d- he had a long running show where he would wrestle women. He was like a tiny skinny dude, but he would like wrestle women and like just kick their ass. And wow. be like just a huge dick about it. He'd be like, "Women should go back in the kitchen. They are they are weak. Men are superior." But he would only fight women in like a wrestling right. WrestleMania he would style. Never fight a man. Yeah, but like it was very much on purpose. He was playing a bit. Is he's great. Anyways, okay, I'm gonna get into some things you guys might not have known, and I know that you might not have known this because we just read the few chapters in the books where you would actually know, know this. This, this week, we were really able to get into Rosalie's story, but in her story, we also get Emmett's story, and and I think that's pretty much all we get of Emmett's backstory. So I, I thought imagine. I'd take the time and do that. Uh, kind of a little spiel. Oh, now good. For yes. Everyone. Oh man, what a great episode. Thank Emmett you. and Gatsby. I know. Wow. Emmett. What Emmett? You love Emmett. I was quoting the Gatsby. Gatsby. What Gatsby? Emmett was born in 1915 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He came from a large Scotch-Irish family. Which is he? Why is he not a redhead? Because that would. That would make a lot of sense. Make me instantly well, orgasm. Wait, so were they Scottish Irish or were they an Irish family who was just very into drinking scotch? <laughs> Serious question. Why would an Irish person want to drink scotch when you could have Irish whiskey? Well, that's the question. Isn't I feel it? like <laughs> perhaps someone who would go on to fight a bear. Anyways, anyways, I would not drink either because I don't drink whiskey. But I have an affinity for Guinness. Uh, Scotland. Anyways. Oh, that too. Um, so he comes from a large Scotch-Irish family. He, he himself had a pretty wild childhood, you could say. He hung out with people who gambled and drank and womanized, <gasps> that kind of stuff. Um, in addition to that, though, he was also a good woodsman and hunter and would provide for his family. 
And it was on a hunting trip up in the Smoky Mountains where Emmett met the bear that killed him. Now, I don't know that he was seeking out anything like that. Um, But, so, he got in a fight with a bear. A bear. Do we know what kind of bear? I don't know. Whatever bears run around Smoky Mountains. Who was Smoky the bear? Uh, He was fictional. But what kind of bear was he supposed to be? I don't know. Let me look real quick. Black bears. All right. So it's a black bear, which I think those are the ones that get very irritable. And it's not because they're black. No. That's fine. (laughs) I'm fine with that. They're either black or brown. Wow, babe. Okay. They don't have to be, though. I mean, if if you're in North America, you there are either black or brown bears. All right. Sorry, if you are in the U.S. of A. Sorry, because if you're in Canada, there's some polars. There's some polars up up where no one no one lives up in the uh, yeah, Ukraine of North America. <laughs> yeah, the Siberia. Siberia of North America is what I meant. <laughs> I'm like the Ukraine is a little. Isn't it like on the too, southern side of yeah, Ukraine's. I was just it's in the news, so I was thinking of it. Siberia, Siberia. So, on Stephanie Meyer's website, she has an outtake from her original epilogue where um, Emmett tells Bella his story. Who is her editor that made her cut this? What? There was a whole epilogue that was just Emmett's story? I would have been so hyped if I saw that. Okay, no, but this epilogue, remember, is what turned into a book, and then she realized she had to then break up into three more books. Huh? This is the epilogue to... Twilight? Twilight. Oh. Which became Forever Dawn or whatever. Oh. And, but then they were like, uh, no, because this takes place after Bella like graduates high school and all this other right, shit. Right, so right, right, right. We need to go back to, um, you know, a young adult yeah. audience. You know, we need a young adult character. And okay. so then that became the next, the, the last three books of the series. But so it was from that. And I guess it just never made its way into anyone's. Or any book or whatever. Okay. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to actually read like a whole paragraph that I really enjoyed. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so. He was finished playing with me then, and I knew that I was about to die, Emmett remembered softly, winding up the tale of his human years with the story of the bear. Edward paid us no attention. He'd heard it before. I couldn't move, and my consciousness was slipping away. When I heard what I thought was another bear, and a fight over which would get my carcass, I supposed... Suddenly, it felt like I was flying. I figured I'd died, but I tried to open my eyes anyways, and then I saw her. His face was incredulous at the memory. I empathized entirely, and I knew I was dead. I didn't even mind the pain. I fought to keep my eyelids open. I didn't want to miss one second of the angel's face. I was delirious, of course, wondering why we hadn't gotten to heaven yet, thinking it must be further away than I expected. I kept waiting for her to take flight, and then she brought me to God. He laughed his deep, booming laugh. I could easily comprehend anyone making that assumption. Mm. You thought Carlisle was God? Yeah. Very interesting, because that's very similar to how Rosalie describes it. Yeah. The whole, I I thought I was flying to heaven thing carried off because they're so fast. That's lovely. I like that. I know. I mean, that is perfect for uh, Rosalie, because she kind of just needs someone who does think her a goddess yeah basically. like fucking angel okay yeah. so when he felt the pain from the transformation starting to begin um he thought it was punishment for all of his bad deeds done as a human but he couldn't understand why the angel hadn't left him every time god came back in to check on him 
Emmett was afraid that he would take the angel away, but he never did. And to quote Emmett again here, uh, I started to think maybe those preachers who talked about a merciful God might have been right after all. Oh my God, that's so sweet. I know, right? Which kind of makes me think maybe that's why. Because we never really get, you know, like a one-on-one conversation with Emmett. Yeah, and I see why not. Like, compared to, like, Rosalie's story, it's not not nearly as necessary. Right, for the, yeah. I mean, we know who Emmett is, regardless yeah, exactly. of this backstory. Exactly, yeah. It does, yeah, we don't, that's exactly it. We don't need to be informed on why he is the way he is. You just understand who he is. But Rosalie, you need that backstory. That makes sense. Yeah. So eventually the pain stopped and Rosalie and Carlisle were able to explain everything to him. And he actually took everything quite well. I was going to say, I, I feel like he would just immediately accept his he new was circumstances. Like fucking chill with it. He was like, He's like, oh, right. so you're telling me I'm fucking strong as fuck? And I get to date bet. this one? Fucking Fuck yeah. Bet, Hell homie. yeah. I didn't even uh, like eating that much. He probably misses beer, though. <laughs> probably. I would imagine. I mean, <laughs> or scotch or I would trade in being drunk for, like, superhuman speed and strength any fucking day, dude. I'd get fucking high off of that shit. Can I still take Addy? <laughs> no, you wouldn't be able to. You would just automatically have hyper-focus oh. and even more space in your brain to process what you're processing and be thinking about several other things at once. God, why can't we be vampires? Right? I would read so many books. You wouldn't even need Adderall, is what I'm saying, homie. I think I'd still take it. <laughs> <laughs> just just for just for old time's sake. <laughs> or I'd just eat people who had taken it. Anyway, so he took everything quite well. Although he he did actually struggle pretty hard with the whole not eating human thing. Okay, that's well, kind of what we were saying. But it's mainly because, like you know, you're when you're that's inherently what you want to do. Well, and right? we, that's exactly what we were saying. Is is he he is a person who acts on his instincts much more than his thoughts. Right. Exactly. I'm not trying to say he's stupid or something. And, but no, but that just means he's going to be harder to. It's harder to like persuade him away yeah. from. He's like, but that's what I need to do. And they're like, like that's nah, what my body know. is physically telling right. me I want to do. Right, right, right. Because, like, even the, you know, the. He's not vindictive or, or like, um, you know, he doesn't want to hurt people. It's just, no. but, like, I'm, I have to do this. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much where we leave him at now. I mean, like, we know fucking. He, he's a very static character in, in the best way. Yeah, but I I, awesome. I like that. Um, if y'all want to look it up, it's called uh, like the Bear Story. And okay, it's it's on her outtakes yeah. for um, Twilight. Twilight. I, I know we mentioned it, but man, great website. It is Myers it is website. website. It's yeah. it's really nice. It's an author who's like very. It's it's exactly what every like fan of a series wants to have access to. It's like Meyer just puts yeah. it all out there. She's like, here's a playlist on the music I was listening to at the time. Here's yeah. all the outtakes, all the stuff we cut. And it's all on a nice, graphic, well-designed website. Just someone who's very much embracing people being in on the experience. And yeah. I love that because that's also, what it's we all want. very easy to navigate, too. Very, yeah, just a great website. So. And I, I mostly just love it because you can feel Meyer just being very uh, generous with her work and her creative, you know, she just seems very generous with her series and her property and her characters, which I know is not easy for a lot of authors. Because it is a very personal thing, but it's cool that she is so willing to share it with everyone and embrace it and i love that i know and i love shit like because you get shit like this and that's so much fun as a as an audience member to get like all the stuff she was thinking going into this that exists in the background yeah much more than like 
Rowling just tweeting that the some one character was gay the whole time, which right. you know whatever. No, but but, but I, I mean, you, and you can really tell. I feel like I can really tell that like you know we know that she has the whole story already planned out because right. she did that Forever Dawn book, and then and, she yeah. had to kind of break away from it. Mm-hmm, and obviously, mm-hmm. things might have gone differently. Oh yeah, and they there. certainly did. But, but she, still. you can tell she knows where she's going. Oh yeah, no, you can feel it, and and you just feel the love she has for the story, and and just what it means to her, and it, it's it's nice. I I really like that. I pre- it, all the great authors, I feel like you can feel that, and it's great, and yeah. I just really appreciate. It. Yeah, that's, that's something I've been surprised with with uh, doing this show is is how much I appreciate the world of Twilight and Myers writing because it because it's so it, everyone shits on Twilight, and and I know we talk about this. But to death, she's but a but good she's author. Oh, I mean, no, I yeah. and the sentences she writes. I mean, there are some good doozies in oh, there. Yeah. You know, like she she is so good at writing like nature, <laughs> like for, it's like, weirdly oddly so. Like it's... every time she just stops and just describes the scenery around something, it is elegant, it is beautiful, and I'm like, just do this. This is right? you know, like she's so good, at, especially in the first book because there was a lot more of that. But I think what people's a lot of problems with the the series is the movies. The movies are much more uh, cheesy and like uh, kind of eye rolling in in a lot of the ways that people don't like Twilight. I think is more has to do with the movies than right. the books. It's just in a different form. Maybe it just yeah. doesn't work as well in that format. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's always it's always a toss up how well it works, you know, um, right. adaptation, but. But anyways, we've gone on long enough. Yeah, we really have. Uh, we appreciate y'all uh, listening in another week. Yeah, we love it. And um, yeah. if you continue to like us, you know, you can follow us on social media. Yeah. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Mm-hmm. with the handle at Twilight Pod. Mm-hmm. You can also find all of the links to our social medias as well as our episodes and other bullshit at twilightpod.com. Yep. If you want to message us, hit us up. Suggestions, questions, anything you want to see us do, uh, you can email us at twilightpod at gmail.com. Uh, our intro song is by Alex Chavez. You can check out more of his music on the Facebook page, Vintage Retire Music. And as, as always, remember, Gatsby was great, but he still died. Think about in that. In the end, it's what preyed upon it's, Gatsby. See, Gatsby, babe, turned out all right in the end. It's what preyed on Gatsby. <laughs> see, it was the foul dust left in his wake that, for me, temporarily closed out my interest in the Border of Sorrows and short-winded hey, relations of man. But that's just me. You know, I like hey, I know more lines hey. of Gatsby than any book. I'm just going to end this here, and we can get into the Gatsby convo after the exit song. So, Straight up, y'all don't in my younger suck. and more vulnerable years, Bye. my father gave me some advice, and we turned over my mind ever since. Bye. You open the book. That line, that's the first line. I know it. Bye. My heart. One, two, three. Bye. Gatsby turned out all right. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> One, two, three. Bye. Bye. See the green light. I didn't even touch the green light. That's the. That. I was surprised you didn't talk about the green. I didn't light. find a, a, a concise way in. That's okay. But it represents hope. So hey, that's everybody, it. listen to Green Light by Lord. <laughs> listen to. It's about Great Gatsby. Uh, listen to fucking Happiness by Taylor Swift. <laughs>
She talks about the green light of forgiveness. And no, that she's a no. beautiful fool. The green light doesn't represent forgiveness. It represents hope. It's hope. But so is the song Happiness. It's about hope, too. It also represents money because money is green. I didn't even talk about the eyes of TJ Eckelberg. I'm going to end this. The eyes of God watching over them. Listen, I'm giving you permission to use Gatsby at least one more time in this series. I may have to.